already then. Uh, Acts chapter 15 and uh, verse 40. <clears throat> the passage talks about the story of Paul after he went through a church split. So his church decreased in its power. But that did not stop him to keep influencing and increasing the power of the church. Immediately what followed thereafter was, the Bible words it, a certain disciple was there. With this certain disciple, they were able to continue growing the influence of other people in the church, and the church increased. The Bible says in Acts chapter 15, verse 40, And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. Then came he to Derbe and Lystra. And behold, a certain disciple was there, named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters, for they knew all that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. When you look at this passage, you can picture yourself being one of those people in the church and being encouraged that the church would increase and not diminish. Now recall that Paul's partner was Barnabas, and Barnabas was literally his uh, sidekick or his partner in the ministry, and by losing him, he would lose pretty much half of his power. But in spite of that, the church continued to increase and then continued to be empowered, even though he lost uh, a really important figure that would have cut down the church. What's very important for us to think about is in spite of the hardships or trials that you and I may be going through, the church can still continue, listen, to increase. The church can continue to be strengthened, even though you felt like you've been cut down. Now, like some of the people said right here, you're going through a hard time. But instead of being cut down in power, our power should double. In Timothy's case right here, his power was doubled in being a great asset to Paul. Because the verse says, a certain disciple. All it took was a certain disciple was there. The problem with church is why they cut down in power is they're thinking about, listen, just being a member of a church. Just being there. You know, they help out the church. They participate. Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes the will of God is for you not to preach, not to teach, and for you to just simply be in church. Amen on that one. A lot of times the Lord will do that. But I believe that a lot of people have accepted that as their calling and use that as complacency now where the church cannot increase in power. I certainly did not think that way as a pastor. I could not think that I accept things that is, as it is, that it's Laodicea, 
and my church is Laodicean because we're in a Laodicean area, and so all the people will be Laodicean. So there's nothing we can do to improve. There's nothing we can do to increase. There's nothing more that we can do. Look at what God did with our work right now. We're not a great work, but look what God did, and he still is. The importance is not just thinking as a church attendant, not being just a church member, but being a church influencer. A lot of times we think about being faithful to what we're supposed to do in church, but do we combine those things with, I am doing all these things because I want to influence the people in the church. I want to influence the pastor. I want to influence my fellow members. I want to put an influence and an impact in this community that I can reach around the world. See, we have to think about when we are faithful to these things that God called us to do. God did not call us to do these things so that they can be limited. It's that so that these things could spread. Even with just basic Bible reading, God did not say, just uh, be hearers of the word only and you won't deceive yourself because you're a truther. God says, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. What's the point of that? The point of that is God doesn't just want you to just read the word because you're going to be limited to that capacity and just read your Bible all the way till the day you die. He wants you to read the word so it can come out of your life and put an impact and an influence upon your life and other people around you. Everything we do in our normal duties is not a, just a normal thing. Do you think the Spirit of God, where his power is upon normal things, is limited to normal? Or is it something supernatural? That it has weight and power. Even when they reject the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that seed's got a power. And the Bible said, it will not return void. But it shall accomplish that which I please. We have to understand that the things we do in the church, it's got to influence. Look at your life today and see that if I'm doing the tech, is it influencing other people around me? When I'm cleaning up the church bathrooms, is it making an impact in influencing people around me by just coming to church? And that's it. A normal church member, not a preacher, not a teacher of the word of God, nothing special but just coming to church. Am I influencing people around me? Let us look at our actions today. Do you not just attend church, but do you influence the church? Do you... Are you just a person that will help the church or influence the church? I pray that this sermon will be extremely helpful to you. The title of my message, A Certain Disciple, was there. Father, will you fill within me Holy Spirit, unction, and power? And I pray today's preaching will touch and change people's lives and glorify you. Uh, Lord, I am totally incapable to preach this message, and I'm not just saying that. I'll wash away my sins with your blood. Fill within me, Holy Spirit, unction. May these people see that it's you and not me. <clears throat> Please, Father, may they see you in this. You speak to them, not me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
My first point is the reception of influence. Look at chapter 15, verse 40 through 41. Chapter 15, verse 40 through 41. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. That's a faithful pastor. That's a Holy Spirit-filled man. The Apostle Paul, nothing could stop him from his ministry. I mean, even though his ministry was cut in half without his partner Barnabas, he just went around preaching to the people the Word of God, and his bodily presence was weak. He didn't have all the capability and power, but the Word had power. God's Word still changed people's lives, and he was strengthening the churches. The churches didn't feel weak and by the loss of Barnabas, they felt strengthened, they felt empowered, and they were probably likely going through a hard time because they were without the Apostle Paul for probably weeks. I mean, imagine you were going weeks without your pastor. How many hardships you would go through, how many things you would have to go through. So by his coming, the churches didn't weaken, it actually became stronger. I mean, that's a good thing as a church is that they got such a good pastor, a good leader that confirmed the church and that church increased and that church was strengthened. But where was Timothy in all this? Timothy was not mentioned at all. Timothy is not mentioned until the very next verse. Why? Because Timothy was not there to confirm the church. Timothy, he was that normal church member. He was a certain disciple. Was there. He had, no, he had no gift or ability, I assume. He was totally new to the ministry. He was not the apostle Timotheus. He was a certain disciple. A certain disciple was there. And he was sitting through the apostle Paul's preaching, receiving the blessing. The reception of influence was getting all over him from Paul's manner and testimony and the filling power of the Holy Spirit was blessing Timothy's life. That church was getting influenced and Timothy was getting influenced and Timothy did not, after hearing all this, seeing all this, experience all this, continue to sit in his seat saying, I will be a normal church member and just sit through the service and keep receiving the blessing of God. Timothy did not say after the revival meeting was over with the Apostle Paul, man, that was good stuff, amen. I received such a blessing from God and did nothing about it. Timothy was not the one after fellowship and then they had a good meal and then he was able to converse with the Apostle Paul and Silas and fellow Bible believers that he was like, man, I received a blessing and then he got discouraged on Thursday. Timothy was not that normal member who just kept receiving the blessing and then the blessing filled up his cup and then when God stopped pouring out the blessing on the cup, and he does, he won't keep pouring it. He will stop pouring the blessing in the cup. And Timothy, he didn't just drink from the cup and let it run dry. When he had that blessing, he decided to give that blessing and pour it on somebody else's cup. And then the other person would pour that one. And then that's called influence. 
What happens if Timothy just drank everything in that cup and received the blessing of God? The revival meeting, the preaching, the Holy Spirit filling, it's going to run out. And the blessing of God would run out in his life. Is that you, Timothy? You sat through every good preaching you can think about. You sat through every blessing of God you can think about. You've experienced every answer of prayer that God has met in your life and his divine intervention. You met every fellowship you can think of and every brother and sister in Christ has ministered to you the best way that you could. You read that book and you prayed and you received untold myriad amount of blessings from on high and yet you still don't feel blessed. Come on. And you keep seeking after for something new. Something new. Because I already heard that before. I already received that blessing before and I'm used to it. You know why people who receive the blessing don't feel blessed? Because Paul already told them what Jesus said at Acts chapter 20 and verse 35. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Wow. Jesus gave a statement like that? Yes. Jesus Christ said that in order to feel blessed by God, it's not to just soak in the revival meeting. It's not to soak in the fellowship. It's not to soak in the encouragement from fellow brethren. Soak in the prayers of the brethren. It's to give the prayers to those brethren. It's to give the revival meeting to those brethren. It's to give out something and sacrifice something and give something to bless other people. And that way they can feel blessed. You know why you don't feel blessed? You're not giving a blessing to someone else. Keep receiving the blessing and that is nothing but a selfish state and you will never feel blessed but keep up with the mentality I want to receive more but if you start learning to give to others give the blessing give 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 the receiving becomes more appreciative the thanksgiving of the receiving will be maintained the contentment of that Reception won't die out, but will revive, will relearn, will be rekindled. Not only you feel blessed, but you're also going to get more blessed if you were to give out to the church. Not only... Will you feel blessed when you give to people? But God will actually bless you more if you give to people. Well, why didn't God bless my life? Because you didn't give something to him. You, you're so used to receiving, 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 receiving. Why would God bless you anymore unless you give something back to him? Unless he sees how you give it to other people. And then God knows that, hey... This person is not going to selfishly hog it all to himself or herself. He's going to give it out to others. I think I should give a little bit more. I think I should give a lot more. And that way I can bless that person so much they can spread it around through other people. You limited the blessing of God by limiting all to yourself. But you can increase that blessing of God if you were to increase it to somebody else. 
the power of giving. Oh, Timothy, he was thinking about not just sitting in a pew and receiving the blessing, but to go up and to preach and teach and become a blessing to others. Timothy was not just used to somebody reminding him about coming to church or doing the spiritual duty, but that he would be the reminder and the encourager to other people to come to church and do their spiritual duties. Timothy was not the receptor. Timothy wanted to be the influencer. And that's why that church was blessed and it kept increasing. The second point is response of influence. Response of influence. Let's look at verse 1. Verse 1, chapter 16. Then came he to Derby and Lystra. Behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman, which was a Jewess and believed, but his father was a Greek. Do you see the one who became the big influencer to the church? We're talking about Timothy here. Hello. He's a big influencer. He's the one that uh, Paul talked about in his last epistle. He was the guy he could count upon. He was the big influencer upon his life. But it's not the great Timothy. That's not how the Holy Spirit worded it as. To you and I, he's a great guy. The Holy Spirit just said a certain disciple. A certain disciple was there. What does that mean? Nothing special. Just a certain person, that's it. Just a disciple. Timothy did not become a great preacher and God called him. God called him, he took the call and became a great preacher. Yep. Timothy, he had two books of the Bible written after his name and I don't think he went to Paul and said, you should pick me because I got two books after my name. I don't think Timothy, he went to Paul and said, you know, uh, you said, let no man despise our youth. I'm a young person, and I know that book from cover to cover, and I have great experience in serving God and everything. And I went to a Bible institute, a Bible-believing one, and I studied everything from a young age. From a child, thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. That is me, Paul, and uh, that's why I can influence the church, and you should pick me. No, Timothy, I don't think he ever said that. Timothy, he was not the one during that time who got beaten up by pagans and died as a martyr for Jesus Christ. That wasn't until much later. Timothy was not the great first and second Timothy, the pastor, the young one that God could mightily use, the partner of the Apostle Paul. Timothy, all he was just a certain disciple who was there. Those are the people God could use. Those who respond to God's call and say, I want to influence, make an impact to the church. They're just like you. But can I go deeper than that one? You know, it's not just uh, Timotheus. Notice the next part of the verse. The son of a certain woman. Why, that makes it even more bleak. That makes it even... Uh, more abstract. A certain disciple whose name is not mentioned at all. 
Now a name that's not mentioned at all, just uh, Timothy's mother. I mean, Timothy's mom did not say, my name, my name, you should remember, is Eunice. Paul wrote about me, so I'm someone very special in the church. I'm the one who's in charge of the kitchen. I'm the one who teaches the Sunday school kids. I'm the one who's a pastor's wife or a deacon's wife. I'm the one that did... No, she was a name that would not be even mentioned. But that's the person the Lord used. I'm going to use your child to be the partner of Paul. God, me? Who, me? Yeah, you. People don't even know my name. Why would you? You didn't even mention my name, God, in your word. Why would you pick me? See, God picks people who are nobodies like you, whose name will be forgotten and not remembered. Those are the people God used to influence the church. Can I go deeper than that? Notice right here, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain woman. You know what's deeper than that? His grandmother is not mentioned there at all. So let alone a person's name not being mentioned, a person's very own identity is erased out of the picture. But God said that Timothy had a grandmother named Lois. And Paul mentioned about her at 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5. That his grandmother Lois was the one that Paul had confidence in the faith. A good grandmother like that was able to raise up a good daughter Lois. Who in turn was able to raise a great son Timothy. They caused a great influence. Why? Because they put the influence on Timothy, and Timothy put that influence on Paul and the church. And I bet you those two women made an influence through their family and through their church they attend. Through who? The grandmother Lois. No, one who's not even mentioned at all. Identification gone. People who aren't even identified make a big influence to change a whole church and to increase the great names, Paul, and the ministry and the work that he's doing. Because it's not about Paul. It's all about Jesus Christ. And that grandmother knew that, Paul knew that, and they're not thinking about their identification, or their specialty, or their reputation, or their expertise, or what they have to do, but just simply it's all done for Jesus Christ. How can I make an influence upon his body, his church? I just want to do something for God. But I have no talent, I have no name, I have no skill. There's nothing I can do for God. I'm a nobody. As a matter of fact, people don't even know I exist in this church. And those are the people that make an influence that change an entire church. Those are the people God would use. You know, you want to be that certain disciple? You want to be that certain disciple whose name is not mentioned. You want to be that certain disciple whose identification is not in the picture at all, yet they didn't influence. You that person? Are any of you the qualification for that one? You know how you can influence? Guaranteed four ways 
Four ways that disciples can influence an entire church. One is show the excitement and joy in Christ above this wicked world, above anything in this world. Show that you have a desire, there's something real too in Jesus Christ. Service for him, then a job, then a pay raise, then a promotion, then a family, then a loving partner, then a kid, having kids, then worldly possessions, then fame, then your favorite celebrity topic, movie topic, sports topic. But it's all about Jesus Christ, that there's something real to that. In Acts chapter 13, verse 52, the Bible says, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. If Lois and Eunice and Timothy, all they said as they come to church and with a bunch of worldly people, man, that world's got nothing. Jesus Christ means everything to me. Amen. You're interested in that topic? I got the word of God in my hand. Man, this word of God is more interesting than that movie you watch, than that season in the TV show you watch. Man, isn't Bible study a blessing? Man, that was, that was some interesting stuff. Amen, amen, amen in the middle of the preaching. And those three people in such a small church, how did they not influence the rest of the people to say, yeah, amen. <laughs> To go, yeah. I bet you those three went on the altar. And they didn't know who she was. Who's this elderly woman that went on the altar? I didn't know she was a member of this church. I didn't know that. Who was she? I don't know. It's, it's, it's Lois. No, I didn't know that. But man, she went on the altar. I'm going to go on the altar. Man, she's crying. I'm going to cry and Think about my problem a bit. Influence. Influence a certain disciple who's not known even by identity or as a person. Second, show the ease of the spiritual work. Acts chapter 15 verse 10 says, Now therefore why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear, you know, the disciples, when they did the work of God, they realized that there are things that people have made complex. And in this case was salvation. But the Jews put a lot of ordinances and they made the work of the Lord so complex and hard, not something that anyone can easily do. You know, Timothy, Lois, and Eunice, I don't think they went to church and said, oh man, I, it's such a trial. It's hard to serve the Lord and... Man, driving all those hours to street preaching and knocking on doors visitation and talking to people is scary. And, oh man, I don't think they said stuff like that and discouraged people from coming to Solwyn. I think that when they came, they're like, man, soul winning is so much fun. And, you know, it's easy. All I have to do is, I don't even have to preach on the street. All I have to do is just be there. That's all it takes. Just be there and hold a sign. I can imagine them telling the church members, man, ain't this easy? See, wasn't, that wasn't so hard, right? Somebody scoffs, mocks at them, and they get criticized, and then you can see grandmother Lois just laughing, ha, 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 and she's looking at that church member. Man, you know, this is nothing. This, this is nothing compared to what those martyrs went through for Jesus Christ. Man, praise the Lord, I got more money in heaven now after that criticism. 
I think that shy church member or that scared church member who tried out street preaching for the first time went a little bit, yeah, you know what? Yeah, it wasn't that hard. Yeah, you know what? Anyone can take criticism. Yeah, I'm just holding a sign. Oh, man, I led 10 souls to salvation, says Lois. And here's eight-year-old Timothy. I led someone to the Lord. And here's some grown adult who comes to the church and say, man, it's that simple? And the little kid Timothy said, yeah, I just told him Jesus. What, didn't, they, what, what, didn't that person talk to you about how do you know God exists? How, why don't you know men wrote the Bible? And, and the little kid said, no, they never asked me that. I just showed them Romans 3.23 and Romans 6.23 and Revelation 21.8 and Romans 10.9. And then that person just did the sinner's prayer with me and meant it and got saved. And then that grown adult went, wow, is that easy? Well, bless God, I better win a soul to Christ. How could they not be influenced by a certain disciple? If it was Paul, they would be scared out of their minds and they wouldn't be encouraged to street preach. They wouldn't be encouraged to soul win. They wouldn't be encouraged to conquer sin. They wouldn't be encouraged to serve God. They wouldn't be encouraged to try out new things in the church if it was Paul. But because it was a certain disciple whose name is not even mentioned, why, I can do it to them. The third thing is encourage them to participate. Encourage them to participate. Acts chapter 11, verse 26. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. You know, certain disciples, they can put an influence upon people to serve God by encouraging them to participate. You know, it's one thing that pastor, he cares about you. And he'll preach, he'll pray for you, and then try to encourage you to do something for the Lord and serve God. But it's definitely another thing when you get a grandmother who you don't know from Adam. And you get a mother that you saw her, but you don't know her name. And then a little kid who come to you and say, I've been praying for you. We haven't seen you in church. Is everything okay? Can I do something for you? How could that church member after that go, man, I gotta come back to church because there are six-year-olds in the church praying for me. There are eight-year-olds praying for me. I know Pastor Kim prays for me. I know, I know all that. Yeah, Thank you, Pastor. You're a blessing and you're a blessing to me. But, but that six-year-old man, that did something to me. How could a certain disciple not have any influence? I could see the last thing here is to just be there for them. And that doesn't mean like forcing them to serve God, peer pressuring them or kind of influence in a way and you put your human effort. You can try what you can, but then in the end what you have to do is just let it go and just simply be there for them. No agenda whatsoever. 
No spiritual agenda or goal whatsoever, but to just be there for them. You know, the Bible says in Acts chapter 14, verse 28, and there they abode long time with the disciples. That's it, just be there for them. Here comes a person, dresses up like the world, or, you know, you would go, where did he or she came from? And you would assume, man, that person's not saved, definitely. Or that person's probably from a liberal college. And then you see that person during the church service, how they respond to the preaching, teaching, and, you know, it's like, they're not like you. And then when you talk about Jesus or church, it's like it turns them off. And then what can you do to talk to them? Just talk. Hi, my name is Gene. What's your name? I'm glad to see you here. And I'm not saying that just because it's church etiquette. I'm just, I sincerely mean that. Anything I can do to help you? Well, I don't like pastor when he preached like that. I don't get that. Just be at their level. Well, I, I get that. I was like you before too. And I was offended too. But then I learned from blah, 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 blah. And you left a seed. And I mean a big seed. You didn't get them saved. You didn't convert them. But you left a big seed. Because they see that there are people just like them. Yet they serve God. Why not me? What's wrong with me? What's missing in me? Why can't I do that? See, just be there for them. They'll probably never get saved. They'll probably never end up in this church. They'll probably never accept Bible-believing truth. But you as a disciple nevertheless made an influence upon that person's life. You left seed after seed after seed. And their perspective of a Bible-believing Christian is not the same as before. You influence that person. That's what happened. Because all it took was Somebody was there. A certain disciple was there. Just being there. I know as disciples, we live in Laodicea. I know as disciples, we live in one of the most wicked places in America. I know as disciples that we're born with things where we didn't grow up in a Bible-believing Christian home or family. We grew up in a life, born into a life with weaknesses, hindrances, traumatic experiences, painful things that would hinder us. It would incapacitate us to do anything for God. And that's why I can't. I just want to, but I can't put an influence upon a person's life. It's just so hard to do. But you know... Timothy, being born from fleshly weaknesses, fleshly disadvantages, still was the certain disciple who was there. Timothy, he was born not from a man who was a Bible-believing pastor. Not from a man who was even of his own culture. 
His father was a Greek, the Bible says at verse 1. The Bible says his grandma was saved, his mom was saved, but the father. Lois did not use that as her excuse to say, because I got an unsaved husband, and he's a Greek. He's all into that Greek philosophy. He's an agnostic. He's high, highly educated. He knows the success of the world. He's so liberal because those Grecians are just very, you know. They're just, you know, those Greeks. But, and sometimes I'm like, wow, how can I get my kid to serve God? I don't think Lewis think like that. I think Lewis, she was pondering and she was determined. I cannot let my husband dictate my life on serving God. I am determined because I got a great God and a great Savior and I got a great church that I can do all things through Jesus Christ and I am determined to raise my child in a way that would grow up in a Bible-believing environment, get him to a Bible-believing church, and I can still accomplish things for God. Lois did not use the excuse, the man has all the power. The man is the head of the household. The man should be teaching right doctrine. Oh, I feel like I've crossed my boundaries in being, not being submissive, and I'm, trying, I'm walking on a tightrope, and it's so hard, and I just don't know what to do. My husband should do this. My husband should do that. My husband. I don't think she blamed on her husband, but instead was determined to say, I will still make an influence on my child's life and on the church. I don't think that Timothy said, well, you know, I, I was just born from a life exposed to the world, to sin. I was born from a life where I keep hearing that worldly music and had worldly friends around me. My father sent me to a public high school and, you know, it's, just, it's so hard. You know, my father's the one who has, uh, who can drive through unsafe Berkeley and get us to church. But my mom can, and I'm just a child, so I can't go to church at all. It's so hard. I don't think Timothy did that. I think Timothy, when he read the Word of God as from a child, thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, he says, I love that book. I love Jesus Christ. I want to go to church. I'll do whatever I can. I don't care what I was born from or what I'm born with. I'm determined to make an influence and serve God. Third point is report of influence. The report of influence. Look at verse 2 and verse 3. Which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters. For they knew all that his father was a Greek. You know what's the one powerful thing that I left out that a certain disciple can do which will guarantee in influencing people? It's your testimony. It's your report. Why? Why is that, Pastor? 
Because if all you see is an eight-year-old who shouts amen, an eight-year-old who memorized scripture, an eight-year-old who just sang specials on there, an eight-year-old who just loves Jesus Christ, an eight-year-old who can't shut up but talk about Jesus Christ, an eight-year-old who attended every church service, an eight-year-old who went up to you and said, I'm praying for you, an eight-year-old who tried his best to encourage you and minister to you, an eight-year-old who you see growing up into a 13-year-old, and this 13-year-old year old started to know deeper doctrine. This 13 year old started to enjoy Bible study. This 13 year old just wanted feedback and talk to you about the preaching that he heard in church that day. And they see that 13 year old growing up into an 18 year old. And then here are those members thinking, you know, man, look at, I mean, that kid can become a preacher one day. You know, that kid, uh, he's got something from God. That kid, I know he loves Jesus Christ. And that kid, and those people know that and I wonder because they remembered him from past years of his life for Jesus Christ, at least one, at least one from seeing Timothy for 10 years in the ministry would say, let me get out of my comfort zone just a little bit and do at least a little thing for Jesus Christ. How can anyone not do that after seeing testimony for year after year after year after year? But if Timothy did not have a well report, but just a normal report, think about this. His testimony means that people are watching him. His testimony means that people have always been observing him. And that's what influenced them to serve God. Then if they keep watching him not coming to church, wouldn't they be influenced not to come to church? If they kept watching him, skipping his Bible reading and prayer, would that not influence them to skip Bible reading and prayer? Think about in that church service that day, Lois, Eunice, and Timothy weren't there at church. Would the church still increase? Or would the church decrease? You know why some people... Don't serve God as much here if you're asking yourself. Maybe because they watched you. Maybe, you know why some people don't uh, say amen anymore or have a passion or a loss of zeal to serve God. They don't really have that. Maybe because they watched you. You know why uh, seats are getting more empty? Maybe because they watched you. You know why street preaching and visitation is getting smaller? Maybe because they watched you not there. You know why a lot of people aren't signing up for the volunteer sheets? Maybe because they don't see anyone's name in there, so they don't feel bothered to write their name there. Come on. You know why some people are, are still afraid to preach and teach the Word of God, even though God has blessed them with the cap capability and the opportunity to do so? Because everybody's not doing it too. So they're watching them. And if they won't preach or teach, I won't either. Who would? How's your testimony? You making an influence? Are you making a good influence? Or are you the influence that weakens, that decreases the church? You know, Timothy, I think through his testimony, he just lived for God. He was just faithful. He didn't think about his weaknesses, his fleshly hindrances that he was born with. All he had 
a determination was, I just want to serve God, make an impact, and influence people's lives. Even if that means if I were to clean toilets for the next 10 years of my life. And my name is not mentioned at all. I just want to be that person. And I can imagine as he kept spiritually growing from 8 to 13 to 18, and when people saw him have the impact to preach and to become the partner of the Apostle Paul, and Timothy said, what a great opportunity so that I can influence more people. After overcoming the fleshly weaknesses that he was born with, it came back to him. It came back to him. The Bible says that when he became partner with the Apostle Paul, Paul had to have him circumcised. Why? Back to the past, his father was a Greek. Just because of that, he can't become a profound influence that he wants to be. Until he was willing to circumcise that off, he can be the big influence that God wants him to be. If Timothy said, Paul, no, I can't do the circumcision, they ought to know better, because didn't you write that circumcision, that uh, you can't force people to do that? Circumcision availeth no things. Don't I have the right to maintain my conviction in saying, hey, I don't care what you pharisaical Jews think, there's no Bible that you can prove what I'm doing is wrong. I'm scripturally, listen, I'm scripturally right for not being circumcised. And if Timothy said that, he's right. But Timothy said, no, I, I want to influence. I want to influence those people. But didn't you do enough of an influence, Timothy? Aren't you content with your church over there? No, I need to influence more. I'm willing to go through circumcision. I could whine and complain that, oh, why didn't I get this when I was a baby? Now that I'm grown up, I have to go through something painful, and I don't know why, God, you allow this thing to happen to me. Paul could have chosen somebody else. Why did you choose me, Timothy? I was born from a father who's a Greek. If my father was not lazy, if my father was right with God, if my father was not an unbeliever, if my father only raised me right, Timothy never gave any of those excuses, but just said, I want to impact other people's lives. So let's do this circumcision. Cut it off, man. He said, cut it off. Cut off his fleshly hindrance and weakness. It's always when you keep trying to influence people, you're gonna, your past will hauntingly call back to you. And if you want to grow to the next step of Jesus Christ and influence people, you need to go back to that past and I don't care if you're scripturally right. Cut that thing off if you want to influence other people's lives. Why? Because even Paul knew from Romans 14 concerning spiritual convictions. I don't care how spiritually convicted you are or how strong your spiritual conviction is. If it doesn't edify others, don't do it. We use, spiritual uh, we use spiritual convictions, really, as our excuse to remain selfish. We use scripture as our excuse to remain selfish. It's about others, not you. My last point is remark of influence. Remark 
of influence. Look at verse 4 through 5. Notice that Timothy, his influence is now being remarked. The Bible says in verse 4, And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the apostles and elders which were at Jerusalem. See, Timothy's included now with Paul. It's not just Paul confirming, it's Timothy. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. Here, Timothy's influence is finally remarked and mentioned. Go back to chapter 15. He was not, remember, mentioned at all. He was not remarked at all at chapter 15, verse 40 through 41. Here, the Holy Spirit decided to finally mention him. You know what I think is that I don't think all of you are backsliders, to be honest. I don't think that uh, your problem, if you're not making enough of an influence upon people, if you're not doing enough for God, I don't think it's because you're just that fleshly or wicked or weak. I don't think it's because that you failed in something that you should do better. I don't think uh, the reason why you're not that much of an influence to the church is because there's some spiritual secret that you just missed out on and you should have read Tozer's book a little bit more. You should have listened to Leonard Ravenhill a bit more about prayer and then heard about those prayer warriors who prayed on their knees that the floor just bent on the ground. Or David, or David Brainerd who just prayed through the, sto- uh, through the snow and the snow melted around him. No, I don't think it's because of some spiritual secret. I think a lot of you pray for the filling power of the Holy Spirit often so that God can make an impact through your life. I think it's because of one basic thing that even I still go through. We don't mention it. That's it. If we wake up Monday, we don't mention to ourselves, what can I do in going to work today, in driving, in my prayer time and Bible reading, if I were to uh, uh, be in contact with someone, or I am with my family and my home, how can I make an influence for the glory of God? I don't think we do that. We just do things because we do things. But we got to remember whatsoever ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the what? Glory of God. Think about it. If your mind is refreshed with a convicting sermon to influence people's lives, you do make more of an influence. But then when it's forgotten, when it's not really in your mind, you don't make an influence. It's that simple. There's nothing deep, nothing deep. We're just a creature of forgetful habit because we don't make mention. You see that verse? It says the church has increased how many times? Daily, right? Daily. Timothy was mentioned by the Holy Spirit to influence people daily. If you were to mention it daily, don't you think you might make just a little bit more of an influence? Don't you think so? I never said you're going to save America. I said, don't you think you might just make a little bit more influence? 
if you are to mention it daily, if you are to mention it frequently, if you are to mention what can I do for you, God, that will please you, what can I do to be a blessing to others, what can I do that would influence somebody's life to get saved, to become a better Christian, to attend our church, to become a Bible believer. What can I do? And if that was mentioned, if we mentioned it to God, if we mentioned it to ourselves, I wonder if tracks will be more often in our pockets this time. I wonder if even a reference to our church will be mentioned this time. I wonder if in our worldly conversations, there might, we might see more of a window of opportunity to slip in the gospel. I wonder even when we, we thought we're just driving home from work, that that was a chance right there. With bumper stickers around your car, you influenced hundreds of people with Bible verses. I wonder how much more of an influence we would make if we made mention of Jesus Christ daily. If he filled up our very aspect and our being and our desires, how much more of that can you take? You can't squeeze it all inside you. If the Holy Spirit is filling up so much inside you, it's not going to stay in there. It's going to overflow and affect somebody, even with you consciously, even with you not consciously doing it. Even by just you walking, people can say, that, that person's different. That person's different from my other neighbors. There is something, I feel like I can open up more to that person. I feel like I can trust that person with something. I feel like there's just something in there. It's impossible if you're so much filled with the Holy Spirit and you want that filling of the Spirit to make a powerful impact upon people's lives. Impossible, it cannot spread the influence. Impossible, it must come out. But the Holy Spirit... Notice right here, it's the verse. The Holy Spirit mentioned Timothy influenced people daily. The Holy Spirit did that because Timothy responded to the call first. You know what people do? Oh, I'm going to wait for some sign from God. I'm wondering, I've got to wait till it's God's will for me to do this. And because of that, the Holy Spirit won't get you to do something for him until you respond first until you mention it first, until you say, God, I want to do this thing for you, and then God will just answer it, or he might test you to see if you really are going to do it. God's not just going to say, uh, give you some kind of calling out of thin air, and then Calvinistically predestinate you to do it. It takes a free action on your part to respond to his call. then the Holy Spirit will mention it. You need to mention it first. Imagine if I never prayed, Lord, I want to make an impact on the world. I said that when nobody knew who I was. I mean, I was a Korean. No one knew of a Korean Bible believer, right? It's just very bleak that time during those days, during the 90s. I was only 14, you know? I never went to PBI. I... I didn't have the gift of talking to people. I was very awkward when socializing, okay? I didn't know my, I didn't know common sense. My parents were worried I was doomed to be, to not even qualify as a McDonald's fast food worker. That's how stupid I was. Funny, isn't it? You know, after today's teaching, I'm not that smart, right? Yeah. Really funny, right? 
Why? I, I, I gave a prayer. Lord, I'm so sick and tired of higher ed people stomping Bible believers. If you give that to me, I'll do whatever I can in my mind and being to stomp them for you. Lord, I don't have the talent to preach or teach. But if you call me, I'll do whatever I can to get people to love you more and serve you. Lord, I, I'm just a child. I don't even know common sense in life. But if you just teach me common sense, then I'll do whatever I can to be a blessing to people. Lord, if you would just, and because I constantly mention, I constantly mention, has not my cup overfilled? But if I never made mention, I wonder how different my life would be. Maybe a person who just sits in church. Will you mention it to God? Isn't, is he not worth mentioning daily? Is he not worth mentioning daily? After all, doesn't Jesus Christ mention you daily? Doesn't he make intercession to the Father? And then he, the Bible says he maketh intercession. He maketh intercession. And he has to do it daily because the accuser is accusing you day and night. Aren't you glad Jesus mentioned you daily? He says, Father. And the Father says, I, 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 look, you mentioned a thousand times about Gene Kim. All right. Oh, I already know, I know, I know. He did this much for me. He accomplished that much. I know, I know, I know. And Jesus said, no, no, no. I want to mention him again, Father. Gene Kim, yes, I know he accomplished this much for you, but right here, he's still frail. Right here, he, you know he's not Superman. Right here, you showed him how weak he is. And Father, he just needs a little bit more of your grace. Well, I think Gene Kim knows by now. He learned enough from me. He ought to know better. And Jesus said, no, Father, will you please just give him a little bit more grace? Boy, am I not glad Jesus makes mention of me every day? I'm not glad that when I pray to the Lord that Jesus Christ hears my prayer and how much of it could be selfish and of my own lack of knowledge and just plain ignorance. And Jesus Christ says, uh, Father, this is what Gene Kim really needs. This is what he meant. Well, you ought to know better. No, 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 no. I won't stop mentioning him. Father, will you do it for my sake? Didn't I give that prayer to you, Father? Put the love in me, in them. Will you do that for Gene Kim? Son, you died on the cross. You went through this. You went through this already for Gene Kim. You saved his soul from hell. You gave him eternal security. You promised him a rapture before the time of trouble. I gave it, I've given to him over and over again. Can I not, why don't you just stop here? You don't have to mention him anymore. He's good enough. You don't have to mention him anymore. Father, I made a promise I'd intercede for him. I know, he ought to know better. Can you do a little more for him? <laughs> oh, glory to God. After Jesus Christ died on the cross for you, saved your soul from hell and blessed you enough already. I mean, what more does he have to make mention of you? He doesn't have to. He's done. He's done. Your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. We're done. Close the book. Why not move on in life? And Jesus Christ will still say, Father, remember Gene Kim. I'm going to mention him again. Lord, will you do something for him in his life? Will you protect him from this problem? Lord, will you be gracious to him? Lord, will you be good to him? Lord, will you strengthen him even during trial? Lord, he needs a little bit of an extra burden, I think. 
so that he can mature more in humility. Father, will you give him stronger shoulders rather than a life full of comfort? Father, will you do this for him? I thank Jesus Christ that he never stopped to make mention of my name after all that he did and died on the cross for me. If I died on the cross for you, I don't have to remember your name after that. I don't have to think about you after that. I did enough for you. I sacrificed everything that I could to give it to you. Yeah, if it was me, I'd do that. But not Jesus Christ. Is he not worth make mention? Every day. I guarantee you this. No matter how much you mention about Jesus Christ, Jesus will mention you more, think about you more, love you more, consider you more than what you can ever consider love or make mention of him. With every head bow and every eye shut.